God bless you all this evening. We've got some not so familiar faces with us this evening. Sister Rhea got her papers, and so welcome this evening, Billy Jonathan. Amen. Amen. We come to worship him this evening. Amen. Let's sing this verse.
that's my your inheritance. Amen. Entangled with heavy
we'll just go to prayer with that confession on our lips this evening. There's no written prayer request this evening. But we want to remember our brother Michael in Uganda. Brother Tom, can I have you open the service up in the word prayer? Amen. Well, I have to make uh, just a little announcement. I said Brother Emmanuel Kislu will be speaking on the Sunday. It's Brother Neville will be speaking. And we're looking forward to that. And just praying that God will have his special way in the meetings that are coming up. Brother Michael, seems like he, we're getting a little bit of reports on, on his services. And I, I think they're having a, a blessed time. So just keep him in prayer. He'll be home in a week. And I'm sure we'll hear a great report when he gets back. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Hallelujah, Lord. Glory to the Lamb of God. Lord, we're looking to you, the author and finisher of our faith. Lord, we're assembled here this evening on this Wednesday night, Lord, and none other than to see you high and lifted up in all your glory. Father, we've been enjoying the very presence of the great I Am. And Lord, we're asking that you will be with Michael as he's away over in Uganda. The saints have been rejoicing. The word has been rich. We pray, Father God, that you will use him in a mighty, mighty way. But tonight, Lord, we've come to the house of God to hear the word of life. We're asking that you will anoint Brother Tim Dodd. I pray that the word of God will come, Lord, straight to our hearts. Feed our hungry souls. Meet the needs of your people. Anoint the speaker. Anoint the hearer. And may you be glorified as we worship you, the true and living God. We ask, Lord, that you'll strengthen Brother Ed and Sister Ruth at this time. We have loved them. We love them. We pray, God, that you will raise them up for the glory of God. Lord, that your presence would be near and you will be the strength giver to a man of God and to a, a daughter of God that we have loved so dearly. We ask now, Lord, that you will bless the service, bless the word, bless your children in Jesus' name. Amen. Brother Ray has a special for us this evening, so as he comes, this is a quick announcement uh, for the American tax receipts. They are now available at the church office for collection.
baptized by the one true promised Holy Spirit. Though by the world we roll baptized, well, are you in the church triumphant? Are you in the Savior's bride? Come and be baptized into the body. And forevermore Every creed has claimed to be the body But the plumb line proved untrue All their dreams for God has so determined To bring his son's true pride in view open to them they entered in and there is room oh are you in the church triumphant are you in the Savior's pride come and be baptized into the body and Arise to meet him in the sky. When the bridegroom comes, will you be ready? And your vessels filled and bright. You will be amongst the foolish virgin if you do not walk in the light. This light, are you in the church? Savior's bride, come and be baptized into the body, and forevermore I know I am in the church triumphant, I am in the Savior's bride, I am being baptized into the body, Let the worshipers arise. Amen. Let's start with the first verse. Father, I see that you are drawing.
softly. Now let the worshipers arise. Oh, let the worshipers arise. Let the sons in our Holy, holy, holy revelation song.
Let's just sing, my Jesus, my Savior, Lord, there is none like you. My Jesus, my Savior. Let's all stand together as we worship him. Heavenly Father, you're our Jesus, our Savior, our Redeemer, our Healer, our Provider. You're our strength, you're our comfort, you're our joy. Everything that we have is in you, O Lord. We thank you that you have redeemed us out of every kindred, tongue, and nation. As we heard tonight of our brother Michael overseas, and Lord, there is a bride that you are gathering from the four corners of the earth. There is a people that you have reached with your end time message. In days gone by, in Wesley's age or Luther's age, Lord, it would not have been possible like it is in this age. But you have allowed technology to advance. You have allowed science and things, men to tap into things in order, Lord, that the message might ride on the back of it and reach every elected seed in every corner of this world. Lord, we thank you. You have done this work, O God. Great and mighty is your name. And to think that we can come before you this evening in all reverence and humility, O God, realizing, Lord, that we are just weak, human, mortal vessels. Lord, if time would go on, each one of us would pass away. We have eternal life residing within us, but these bodies would fail us if time would go on. But Lord, we thank you that while we have this moment, Father, we can worship you. Father, we can open up your word. Lord, we can rejoice in the things that have been revealed in our day. And Lord, I'm sure that there are many that have come unto you this evening 
whether it be here on the internet, wherever it is, that have come in need, Lord, that they're going through something in their lives. Lord, the devil has assaulted them. We realize as this last hour, as the time ticks away, the devil is getting more furious. The devil is getting more frantic because, Lord, there is a people that are watching more according to the beat of the word. And Lord, we thank you for that. But Lord, may you just see every heart and every life. And I pray, Father, you'll just take complete preeminence tonight. Lord, I just feel like a very, very weak vessel tonight. But Lord, you are strong. And your strength is made perfect in our weakness. So Lord, have your way as we turn back the pages of your word. Direct the service the way you want it to go. Let this vessel be in your hands and let the ears of the hearer be anointed, we pray in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Let's turn, take our Bibles and turn to the book of Daniel this evening. Thank you, musicians, and appreciate each and every one of you. The song leader, Brother Anthony, was um, out here leading songs. I had the sound on in the office, and usually as in my, uh, as is my custom, I usually kind of look over a few songs that maybe might be in the subject of what I'm preaching tonight and maybe that I might sing after the service. And so I was just, I have a, a, a file on my iPad and I just was searching some words and, and I came to one of them and I, I, I thought, oh, well, this one looks interesting. And I just clicked on it and it, it jumped right to that song just as Brother Anthony, literally just as he said, let's sing, arise, possess our inheritance. I had just clicked on it. I thought, I needed that. <laughs> Maybe you didn't need it, but I needed it. <laughs> you know, the Lord has a mind for the service, amen? And uh, I want to take from the book of Daniel here um, and uh, take a subject of judgment. We're still in the um, the series of the example ruler and character. And uh, we know that God is preparing us to rule. Are you being prepared? Are you being molded? Are you going through some things? Amen. Praise the Lord. It's for your character because you're going to sit on the throne. To him that overcometh, I will grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I overcame and sat down in my Father's throne. So we, we want to just go back to that tonight, and I'd take a, uh, a subject of judgment is set. Judgment is set. Daniel chapter 7 and verse 1. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and visions of his head upon his bed, and he, then he wrote the dream and told the sum of the matters. Daniel spake and said, I saw... In my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of the heavens strove upon the great sea, and four great beasts came up from the sea, diverse one from the other. Now, we're not going to read the description of the beast because it's not our subject tonight, but uh, I want you just to picture Daniel here as he's seeing this here in Babylon as the children of Israel are in captivity. And he's seeing events of the entire world and the entire uh, time of civilization. And they're being shown to him in a dream by symbols. 
It's the same as John in the book of Revelation. As he says, I was caught up in the Spirit on the Lord's day as he's seeing the end time and the events pertaining to the end time. And Daniel's seen it in a vision. John see it in a vision. But now you see it in history. We look back by the end time message that has come and identified these things and we can see what has happened and we can see what is happening. Aren't you glad? As Jesus say, blessed are your eyes for they see. Blessed are your ears for they hear. Regardless of what you're going through in your life, you can say, I'm blessed to be right where I am. I'm blessed to hear the things that I hear. I'm blessed to see the things that I see. Can you say amen to that? All right, let's read a little bit further. Let's jump down to verse 9. And I beheld till the thrones were cast down. All right, so he begins to see a vision of time and kingdoms, and, and then at the end of it all, he says, I kept watching till the thrones were cast down, and the Ancient of Days did sit. Brother Branham said that's the Lord Jesus Christ as judge as we see him in Revelation chapter 1. He says, whose garment was white as snow and the hair of his head like the pure wool, his throne was like the fiery flame and his wheels as burning fire. A fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. Thousand thousands ministered unto him. That's the bride. And 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him. The judgment was set and the books were open. And that's where I take my subject. The judgment was set. Amen. You may have your seats as we pray the Lord will add his blessing to the word. We live in, it's not new to you that we live in an information age where we are inundated with information, most of it in some way false. Does that surprise you to hear me say that? Most of it is not true. Even the part that they say is settled isn't really settled. You know, uh, we've heard a lot in the last few years of follow the science. The science is settled. And then come to find out the science wasn't settled. And come to find out they didn't give us all the information. And it doesn't matter whether we're talking about, you know, you can talk about any big, uh, what would you call it, cause of the day. Whether it was the pandemic, whether it's climate change, whether it's uh, population growth, whether it's, you know, whatever it is that they, whether it's uh, fossil fuels or, you know, whatever it is, they have all of these things and they say, the science is settled, but the science isn't settled. It's not final. And they discover more things and, they, and they, they learn more about it. And even as they project out into the, into the universe and, and they look through their telescopes at the different things and, and, and they discover things that they didn't think were possible. And so they realize what the way they thought their, their theories worked don't work anymore. And they don't want to admit it. They're having struggles to admit it. But there's many things. The more they discover, the more they realize what they previously knew wasn't entirely accurate. It's not settled. And they try to say, well, you know, we're living scientifically. You know, in Noah's day, they could prove that there was no such a thing as rain. It was an advanced age. 
Can you say amen to that? There's, there's all kinds of uh, reports and articles and, 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 and video clips out there. They're still trying to figure out how they made the pyramid. They're still trying to figure it out. They, they haven't got in their mind, even as Brother Brown says, we don't have anything that could do it with the size of the stones and everything like that. So they, they, in no, that was in Noah's day. The pyramid we know was built by Enoch. But as they lived in Noah's day, they, they could prove scientifically that Noah's message was wrong. Hello? Noah, there's no such thing as rain. Noah, it's your imagination. You're just a fanatic. You're just a religious fanatic. Now, for those of us that live in Vancouver... It's hard to believe that somebody would ever say there's no such thing as rain because we get a lot of it here on the West Coast, whether it be Canada or United States. We know rain almost every day, it seems like, and, and that's just our, our manner of living here. But yet in that day, it had never rained. And scientifically, that's all they know, even though they were more advanced in some ways than we are even today, but they said there's no rain. Much of what people think today, that they even think is worthy to think about, is insanity. When they talk about, and Brother Tom talked about some of the things on Sunday, and the previous Sunday, and some things that you think, you know, why, why do they even need to be mentioned? But yet, God leads a man to bring them, and to establish this is not right. These things are wrong. And I want to I say that we have come to the time in our life, that, and we have come to the time in God's redemptive purpose. And when I speak about our life, I'm talking about the life of the bride and the unfolding of God's Word. We have come to the time where God has settled His Word. When Brother Branham says we have come by God's grace to 1 Corinthians 13, when, when that which is perfect is come, that which is in part shall be done away with, God is declaring to us that we have arrived at that time. The, the, the true interpretation of the word has been settled. Amen. God has sent this message to tie the loose ends together. It, the message is not a new gospel. The message is gathering together of all the loose ends and the revealing of the hidden mysteries that were laying in the book all the time so that we could realize in this hour, his word is settled. That's why even in the Laodicean church age, he says, thus saith the amen, the faithful and true witness. As he comes and announces his message to this age, this is the amen, this is the all of it, this is the beginning and the end, this is the absolute. Amen. 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 It's not additional to the Bible, it is the Bible. Amen. People say, well, I just have the Bible. Well, actually, you don't. If you don't have the message, you don't have the Bible. Because it's hidden from the eyes of the wise and prudent and revealed unto babes such as would learn. Listen, I grew up in denomination. I, I had a Bible from a young age. I had this Bible, and I read the Bible. I from, as the old man said, from kiver to kiver. You know, I read the whole thing. But one thing it taught me was what I had was not what they had. But is it possible to have what they had? 
And one day God brought the message by my way. And then I had what they have. It quickened my life, delivered me from the things of the world, set me free, and gave me the power to serve God. Amen. That's a reality. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5, it says, prove all things. Hold fast to that which is good. That Brother Branham takes that in one place. I'll get to it in a moment here. Well, why don't I just say it this way? He said, I'll just read it out of proving his word. And he says, now it's possible that staunch Christians, fine people, hold sometimes, hold to the wrong thing, thinking it is right. But then these things should be proven, all right, whether they are right or wrong. There's many things in our Christian lives that we got, but we didn't get from the Word. And we hold to them thinking they're right. Doesn't matter where they come from, whether it be from our upbringing, from our nature, from our complexes, from our culture, from our society, from somebody else. It doesn't matter where it came from. If it's contrary to the Word, it's wrong. You say amen to that. Amen. amen. Now, he, said, he goes on, he says, and it's a duty of all of us as we are expecting to go to heaven when Jesus comes, and it's the minister's duty when, every, when any question is brought up that he solves this out and then proves it before the people that they might understand because no one wants to be found wrong holding to the wrong thing. So we have a scripture, Jesus said, all scriptures must be fulfilled, that we should prove all things and then hold fast. And then he goes into the Greek meaning here without telling us it's Greek. He says, or hold tight, get a death grip on it, and don't turn it loose. Hold fast to that which is good. He says, when, when you've proved it out, I'll tell you something, saints, I proved this message. I may not have proved it to you, but I proved it to me. It's this message that done so much in my life. There's nobody that can tell me, and I'm not here to, to argue about how, how real the message is. I'm getting to a point, and, and that I, I just want to say, when it's proven to be true, you hold on to the truth with everything that's in you. Can you say amen to that? You don't let it go no matter who tries to pull it out of your hands. No matter who tries to convince you otherwise. You know, I was thinking there's many people that have walked away from the message. Woe unto them. And I don't mean I'm cursing them. I just mean I feel sorry for them. I feel sorry for them because it's so obviously the truth to me. But it obviously wasn't the truth to them. But now let me, let me just go another step here and just say, the Bible says prove all things. Now, if you walk away from something, you have to walk into something else. And I would say to anyone, have you proven that something else? See, when I came to the message, Brother Tom remembers, I was just a kid back then. You know, I proved it. I studied it. I prayed incessantly. I sought God. I looked to him to, to, as a matter of fact, there was, there was a point that I had just reached as God was opening it. I just said, Lord, if this is you, open the door. If it's not you, close the door. I'm not interested in anything that's false. 
I'm not interested in anything that's not going to do anything for me. I'm not interested in anything that comes from the mind of a man. I'm not interested in anything that's being promoted. I want truth. Can you say amen to that? That is the ultimate. To me, truth is above wisdom. You can have wisdom and not have all the truth. But when you've got truth, you've got everything. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. All right? I I need to focus a little bit more here. We get to preach and we won't get anywhere. You know, young people, I was young once. Can you believe that? We grow up and we, we get into disagreements with our parents from time to time. Appreciated what Brother Tom spoke on respect. Respect to authority, God-given authority. The Bible says, talks about those that have the rule over you. Yes, people have the rule over you. Go and study that for yourself. And, but as a young person growing up, you, you, know, you begin to learn things. And sometimes you get into disagreement with your parents, and your parents can't explain it to you. And so you get the line like, uh, that's just the way it is. You ever heard that line from your parents? I did. Or you get the, well, that's too bad. Life isn't fair. Maybe you've heard that one. Or it's settled. This is just the way it is. It's settled. It's over. Like, don't even argue the point. And, you know, we, we get into these ideas of, of that, and it can seem unfair, but God gave us those parents for a reason. Oh, there's only about half the congregation said amen to that one. Maybe you thought you're, maybe you think you're born into the wrong family. Maybe you think you're adopted or something. I don't know. Somebody hasn't spilled the beans to you yet. God gave you your parents for a reason. God put you in that home for a reason. Amen? God wanted to bring something out of you. Your soul come from God. But God decided to give you a body that come from your father and your mother. Amen? And so we can't just look back in our life and say, well, my problems all relate to my background and where I come from. No, I take responsibility. Prove all things. Hold fast to that which is good. I may struggle against this flesh because of certain things, but as Brother Branham says, that's the greatest enemy that I have is William Branham. And to me, that's the greatest enemy I have is Tim Dodd. It's Tim Dodd's body. It's Tim Dodd's thoughts. It's Tim Dodd's nature. It's that, it's that other control tower in the flesh that's always warring against me. When I would do good, evil is present with me. There's always a struggle. There's always a battle. But you know what? I proved that the word is true. And regardless of what happens, I hold to God's word. And I believe that with all of my heart. It's settled. And the word of God is not settled by scientific fact. The Word of God is not settled by archaeology. It's not settled by reasoning or wisdom or any of those kind of things. The Word of God is proven by God Himself. God proves His Word by bringing it to pass. That's how God interprets His Word. That's how God proves His Word. He establishes it in the eyes of believers. And I will say it's not proven to everybody. 
Because only those that are born again can see the kingdom of God. You have to be born again to see the truth in the Word of God. And that's the reason that the devil keeps butting his head up against the Word of God. He won't quit. A lot of times we think the devil is stupid. How many times has he tried and failed to overcome the Word? But he'll never see it because he's not born again. I remember I was talking, I maybe mentioned this before, I was talking to a Jehovah Witness one time. They, were, they had sent several to the house in, in Dawson Creek many years ago, and then finally this guy came, and, and I thought, oh, he's come by himself. That means he's one of the senior guys, and we were just sitting there talking, and I started off the first place. I says, are you born again? And he says, no. No, he says, I'm not. Only the 144,000 can be born again. Oh, well, then I said, I can see your problem. I guess because the Bible says you can't even understand the kingdom of God unless you're born again. So every time we would have a disagreement on the Word, as we sat and talked about the Word of God, I would say, you know what your problem is? You're not born again. If you were born again, you would see what I'm telling you. And of course, after a period of time, he got tired of hearing that, and he, he ended up walking away. But nevertheless, that's the reality of it. And that's why Satan can't see what you see, because he's not born again. He's not going to be born again. Only the elect can be born again. But nevertheless, God is proving his word. And God proving his word is, and I just want to say it this way. This is the picture that I want you to see tonight. Maybe I'll just give you the overview first. From the fall in the Garden of Eden to the white throne judgment is only God proving his word. All right? I want you to see that you're a part of the evidence. God is proving his word in you. And because, as we spoke on the meaning of infinite, there's no evidence in this case that is too small. And there's no evidence that is too large. There's no big pieces of evidence, and there's no little pieces of evidence. In the Bible, you know, as we, we see Jesus speaking about two women. On the one hand, he speaks about the little widow with two mites that casts all of her earning into the offering. That's an evidence that God is real and that he is a provider. All right? But on the other hand, he also speaks about the queen of the south, the queen of Sheba, And how that she came to Solomon to prove him with hard questions. And he said, she will rise up in the resurrection with this generation. And she will condemn this generation. For behold, he says, a greater than Solomon is here. And I want to say tonight, a greater than the queen of Sheba is here. A greater people that have come to God to prove his word. To prove that what they have heard is the truth. And she rose. Oh, let's just turn to it in 1 Kings chapter 10. Let's take our Bibles and, and go to the scriptures and, and open up 1 Kings chapter 10. As I begin to pray on Tuesday, I wasn't actually expecting to preach tonight. I thought for sure Murphy would be preaching tonight. 
And I was a little bit relaxed in my mind, actually, till Brother Tom tapped me on the shoulder. You know, he's, he, Brother Tom, excuse me for saying it this way, he's like the coach. You know, he'll tap you on the shoulder. You're going in. And, <laughs> and I'm like, wait a second. <laughs> I was sure it'd be Murphy this week. And, uh, and so I was kind of just relaxed a little bit. And so I began to get desperate yesterday. And, and I was praying and praying and praying and and I just thought, you know, Lord, what, what is your mind for the service? And, and then that thought just began to come to me. The judgment is set. And then I began to think about the judgment and how God has proven his word. And I began to think about, this is all while I'm praying, the, the Queen of Sheba. And I began to think about how she proved Solomon. And, and the, these things just begin to, to, you know, every preacher has a way that he studies the Bible and studies his thought. And, and as I just began to pray about these things, I, as I was thinking about the Queen of Sheba, and I thought, you know, I should read that message proving his word. And so I go to the message, and that's Brother Brown's text, the Queen of Sheba, proving his word. I thought, okay, we're in the right channel here. We just begin to, to look at some of these things. So I want to look at the Queen of Sheba here for a minute and her approach to proving God through Solomon. I want you to catch that. She wasn't proving Solomon necessarily. She thought she was proving Solomon. But really she was proving God. God had done something special in, through Solomon in Israel. And she had heard about it. And to her, it was something unusual. She had probably met lots of rulers that she maybe thought to herself, why is this guy a ruler? You know, you ever meet people like that? You find them in position and, and you read certain things about them and you think, and then you, you meet them in person and it's like, really? Why is this person in that position? And, and you wonder about it. And she had probably met people like that. You know, she was in a high position, the queen of her land. I'm sure there was many wise people in her land. But she heard something about wisdom and about an unusual spiritual gift in Israel and how God had given them rest and, and all of these things. And, and so let's just read it here. First Kings chapter 10. And when the queen of Sheba heard the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord. See that? It wasn't just the fame of Solomon. It was concerning the name of the Lord. She came to prove him with hard questions. Oh, I just want to stop on this. This woman, what a woman of character. What a woman of character. And how did she, she was interested in spiritual things. She was interested in God. Listen, once you've, you know, these people know that attain things. I was, I think I mentioned it before that I read a comment by Elon Musk. He says, he says, you know, Something like 80% of the people of the world live in extreme poverty. He says, but 50% of those people are happy. He says, I know personally 16 billionaires. I think he said 16. He says, and none of them are happy. Money doesn't buy you happiness. That's not the answer. The Queen of Sheba had lots of wealth and had lots of authority and power, but she was interested in eternal things. She knew by rising to the position she had risen to, there's more to life than just money. 
there's more to life than just education. There's more to life than just having a family. There's more to life than just ruling a kingdom. There's more to life. There's something I'm not catching here. And she heard about Solomon and the fame concerning the name of the Lord had spread down to his kingdom. And she came to prove him with hard questions. And she came to Jerusalem with a very great train with camels that bear spices and very much gold and precious stones. And when she was come to Solomon, she communed with him of all that was in her heart. Hallelujah. She didn't hold nothing back. What was in her heart, not what was in her mind, what was in her heart. I was just, somebody just sent me a quote today and I I did a little bit of a quick study. I didn't have time to study it really, but I was just amazed at it. uh, That, you know, Brother Bram says there's a little place in your heart where the soul dwells. Remember that? But I didn't realize, but in the 1990s, you can go look it up in the internet. In the 1990s, they had actually discovered in the heart, there is a place with cells like, that are just like brain cells, but it's in the heart. And, and, it, and they begin to study this, and I, like I said, I, I didn't really study it. I just quickly read over it. And, and I just, there, there's a place there they said that's independent of the brain activity. You know, you think you, we, we're taught that the brain, uh, the nervous system and everything is centered on the brain, controls all the bodily functions, and the brain is connected to the heart. But there seems to be a separate set of cells that operates differently and controls the heart in a different way. And, and I'll just say, again, God proves his word. He sends a prophet, and people laugh at him when he says, there's a place in your heart for the soul to dwell. And the Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Not as a man thinketh in his head. And people deal with stuff in their head and mental issues and all that kind of thing. That's not what it's about. Don't get your head right. Get your heart right. A lot of these mental issues is because they're dwelling too much on the brain and not enough on the heart. I'm sorry. Is that all right tonight? Listen, you're talking to somebody that, that's, whose brain cells goes 100 miles an hour. Who's thinking all, just talk to my wife. She'll tell you, that guy never shuts off. He's just thinking all the time, where is he now? You know, and I'm just off somewhere. But you've got to go beyond that. You've got to settle it in your heart. Is this okay? Sorry. I'm just... <laughs> just following the trail tonight. So she came and communed of him with all that was in her heart. She didn't talk to him about her, his, her education. She didn't talk to him about her knowledge. She didn't talk to him about her position necessarily or the different things. She had things in her heart. She wanted to know. She wanted answers. And the Bible says, And Solomon told her all her questions. And there was not anything hid from the king which he told her not. Brother Brown zeroes in on this. See, he says, see, the Lord told him. There was not anything hid from him. It wasn't that she didn't try and hide it. She tried to hide it. But the Lord revealed to Solomon what the issues were and brought them out so that he could minister to those things and show her the wisdom that God had put in his life. And when the queen of Sheba had seen all Solomon's wisdom and the house that he had built 
and the meat of his table, and the sitting of his servants, and the attendance of his ministers, and their apparel, and his cupbearers, and his ascent by which he went up into the house of the Lord. Oh, I remember preaching on that. That's a that's a great statement there. Just the way that he went up into the house of the Lord. There was no more spirit in her. In other words, she saw not just the man had answers. Not just that he could, he could do things or, or give her responses to things. But this man has set things in order. This man knows how to do things the right way. He knows how to instruct his household. He knows how to put his kingdom in order. He knows how to do all of these things. She was amazed. She didn't see as she looked around. She didn't see anything out of order. I pray that when God looks at us, he sees it that way. Oh, Lord, reveal your wisdom to us. Lord, reveal this message. See, when I have a hard question, you know, I don't actually go to anybody. I just get on my knees. And I just say, Lord, you've put everything in the message that I have need of. And Lord, I'm in a great need of an answer right now. But Lord, I'm going to stand still until I have thus saith the Lord. Isn't that what the bride does? She has thus saith the Lord or she stands still. She's waiting on God because she knows where the answer comes from. It's not in psychology. It's not in man's wisdom. It's not even in experience necessarily. But God has the answers. And he's put all of the answers in his word. We are standing today with a fully revealed word of God. And verse 6 says, And she said to the king, It was a true report that I heard in my own land of thy acts and of thy wisdom, howbeit I believed not the words. Somebody sent a report, and I couldn't believe it. There's no way somebody's that gifted. There's no way somebody has that much wisdom. There's no way somebody can be that blessed. There's just no way. Until I came and my eyes had seen it, she says. And behold, the half was not told me. Thy wisdom and prosperity exceeds the fame which I heard. Happy are thy men. That's also blessed. Happy are thy men. Happy are these thy servants which stand continually before thee and hear thy wisdom. Blessed be the Lord thy God which delighteth in thee to set thee on the throne of Israel because the Lord loveth Israel forever. Therefore he made thee king to do judgment and justice. God has put you here to render the right judgment and to do justice to those that need justice. God has put you here. And I'll say, a greater than Solomon is here. Amen. But I trust more than that, a greater than the queen of Sheba is here. See, there was only one person responsible for her, and that was her. She came to the situation. I'll just call it this way. She came to the message of the hour. She looked at the message of the hour. She saw what the message of the hour produced. Do you, do you think Israel didn't have hinder parts? I'm sure they still had hinder parts because they're still in mortal bodies. But she just looked at the overall picture. And you know what? It took some discernment on her part to see the reality of the matter and be able to say, this 
is God. There's only one person responsible for those words, and that's her. There's only one person responsible for your decisions. That's you. When it comes to judgment, as Jesus said, judge with righteous judgment. Or in other words, as we spoke last time, judge on, with judgment based on faith, not on your own senses. She said the right thing. She heard the answers that she heard, and she said the right thing. This is God. It's no different than Hattie Wright. There's an insignificant poor woman in, I think, Kentucky or Indiana, one of those, one of those places out there. They just border each other there. Jeffersonville is in Indiana. Louisville is in Kentucky across the river. And I don't remember which state she was in, but poor, dirt poor. Till she, you know, they would hunt squirrels and bring her the squirrels because she had nothing. But yet God's prophet was comfortable there. And he would go there and often with uh, different ones and, and recount the things that God was doing. And one day they were together and he was recounting the, the, what God had done in creating squirrels, the third pole manifestation. And so as he was recounting that, she expressed in her heart what was in her heart came out. She said, that's nothing but the truth, which is to say, that's nothing but God. That is God. That's the truth. He is the truth. And, and those words brought such a brought the presence of God so near till God spoke through his prophet. You know the story. And, and, and he said, whatever you say, whatever you ask for right now, God's going to give it to you. She didn't know what to ask for. Now, she made the first statement. That was righteous judgment. But now she's got to make another statement in the right kind of judgment again. She had a sister there that was in a wheelchair that seemed to never be able to overcome it, even though Brother Branham had given her instructions how to overcome it. But she never was able to take a hold of it. You go read back the details of her life and how Brother Branham told her how to arrange her life and do certain things. And he says, you'll gain strength and then eventually you'll come out of that. And, and she never did and eventually she passed away. He says, speak for your sister. She'll receive her healing right now. See if it doesn't happen. He says, you're poor. Ask for a million dollars and see if it doesn't appear right now on the table. He says, you can ask for anything you want to. Listen, that's no different than Brother Branham standing in the service and God tells him to say to that young couple that's not acting right, say, say whatever you will and it'll happen to him. It's the same power of God. It's the truth that's come down. It's the presence of God that says you've come now to the place where the judgment is set. Right now, whatever you say, it's going to happen. And there she sat in that room. Whatever proceeded from her mouth, it was going to take place. Hallelujah. And she sat there and she thought about it because she knew this is her opportunity. She knew that I must do what is right. See, that's, that's why even Brother Branham said in one place, that's why those things don't happen to everybody. He says, because there's a certain character that God's looking for, because know, he knows they'll ask for the right thing. 
And so there, as she sat there and she thought about it and she mulled over in her mind, what am I going to ask for? What would be the right thing? What do I want the most in life? All right, I'm going to ask you, what do you want the most in life? Right now, in the presence of God, if he came to you, what do you want more than anything else? If the Holy Spirit spoke to you right now, so whatever you say, it's going to happen. What would you say? We know what she said. I want the salvation of my two boys. Brother Bram said she said the right thing. Hallelujah. God came down and smote those boys right there. Right there. Smote those boys. God's able to do it just in the moment. Just say, we've seen it time after time. God's able to do it just in a moment. Why didn't he do it the day before? I don't know. Why didn't he do it the year before that? Why didn't he get them saved some other time? Listen, there's many things that we could say about it, but yet it was their time and their moment, and God dealt with them at that moment. Hallelujah. And there, Brother Brown says, they repented, whereas a few minutes ago they were laughing and snickering. But God was in the room. Righteous judgment. The woman at the well. I think someone just spoke on that. The man at the well, I guess, was the title. But the Ram talks about the Queen of Sheba. He says, when the first person come up, Solomon, with his great power of discernment, discerned it perfectly and told her, oh my, the little queen's heart began to beat fast. Day after day, Time after time it happened. Let's say she didn't, of course, but let's just say she got a prayer card. But she wasn't called for a long time. But after a while, her time come to come before Solomon. And the Bible said there was nothing hid from Solomon, but he revealed to her all the things that she should know. He told her about it. And when she seen this, he said, now I see it works on others. I wonder if it works on me. Somehow I believe that that's right. I've made the sacrifice. I've come a long ways. And I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'll get up and see if it works on me. And she got up and Solomon told her all things. The Bible said nothing was hid from Solomon. And she stood there and she said, Blessed are the men that are with you that stay with you. You see, you're blessed just to be around where God is moving. Even if it's not your turn yet, you're blessed to see what you see. You're blessed to see lives changed. You're blessed to see the sick healed. You're blessed to see God move and speak to individuals and lift burdens and do mighty, miraculous things that we've seen just in this church, never mind around the world, but just in this church. You are a blessed people. Now, I'm not going to just say you're blessed to come to Cloverdale Bible Way. The, the name doesn't mean anything. You're blessed to be where God is. You're be- blessed to be where God is moving. You're blessed to be where His Word is being revealed. You're blessed if you can come to a service and hear something that will strike you. And many services, well, every service I come to is like, Lord, just give me a morsel. 
Lord, just give me a sentence. Just give me a paragraph. Just give me a statement. Just give me something that'll strike down on the inside of the inside. I know that you're here. I know that you're dealing with lives. You're dealing with people locally. You're dealing with them out on the internet. I'm sitting in the presence of a greater than Solomon, but please come by my way. I'm blessed just to see it, but Lord, I like some too. Amen. Amen. Are you with me tonight? We're blessed people. You're blessed to be here on Wednesday night. You're blessed to be here on Sunday morning. You're blessed to be in every service. You're blessed that when the doors are open that you have a burden to be here. You're blessed to even have a burden to get to church. There's lots of people that are out there in the world that had been in a message church. There's people even lately that have come around message churches in different places that I've heard about that have been away from the message for many, many years have been out of churches for many, many years, but something's driving them back. They can't get away from it because they know God's there. It's not about the preacher, Lord forbid. It's not about some ministry or something, or it's not about some man or some nice thing or some, like we talk about a social gospel or something like that. There's lots of nice sociable churches out there that'll have people, but when they come into the place where they can just sense that God is moving, like the Queen of Sheba, oh, blessed are these people. Oh, saints of the living God, I just want to tell you, you're a blessed people. You might even sit there discouraged tonight, you're still a blessed people. To be in this gathering tonight, you're a blessed person. Certainly isn't because I'm speaking, but as you're blessed to hear the word of God, you are just blessed. If I could end on that, you are just blessed. We are just a blessed people. You could hear the worst service from the worst preacher, and it might even be tonight, but you're still blessed. The worst preacher in this message is better than anything the world has to offer. The worst preacher is. You can get a little nugget from somebody. Take the nugget. God came by your way. I don't know who that was for. Praise the Lord. Brother Brown said, he says, Blessed are the men that are with you and stay with you, that minister with you continually, for their eyes behold this all the time. Not only blessed is the people and all, but blessed are they that see this done day after day. Blessed are the men that they go along with you that see these things done, meeting after meeting, time after time. How blessed it is. Brother Branham, of course, it would have been wonderful to travel with Brother Branham and to see it service after service and see the discernment and see the healings and see the miracles and see the different things take place. I wasn't there. My mother was in his meeting. My grandfather was in his meeting, but they didn't go with him time after time, but they were affected by it. God came into the meeting and they were healed. I thank God for that. But it's more than that. You are living under the impact of that same message. Brother Branham isn't here, but the message he was sent to bring, it is here. And it is fully revealed. And ministers might take just a little portion of the word, and I, we can sit in the service and say, I'm just blessed to be here. I'm so glad I'm not in a bar tonight. I'm so glad I'm not at some sporting event tonight. 
I'm, not, I'm so glad I'm not laying on the beach in Hawaii tonight. I knew that one would be quieter. See, I knew it. When I would do good, evil is present with me. Yeah. You're blessed. You're blessed that the doors are still open. Will they always be open? Anybody remember COVID? The doors were closed and we couldn't get to church. And you people on the American side couldn't get across. God bless you. Good to see you. Those things are real. I hope this isn't too simple for you. I want to get to something. I just feel like something's holding me back here. We're blessed to be where God is proving his word. And we're blessed to be the ones through whom God is proving his word. You see, Satan came to Eve in the Garden of Eden. I'll spend the next 10 minutes on this part. He came to Eve in the Garden of Eden and convinced her that God really wouldn't kill her. You can go ahead. Fornication's okay. Just come on. You know, it's, you can partake of this tree of knowledge of good and evil. God won't kill you, but he killed her. Hello? But she died. She lost eternal life that day. But even something worse than eternal life. Not only did she die, it's not just death, but it's worse than that. She actually, because of her sin, it caused her to run from the presence of the Lord. It wasn't just the sin. If, she'd have, if they'd have been able to cry out in repentance, her and Adam there, as they heard the voice of God moving in the cool of the evening, and the Bible says they hid themselves from God, and they clothed themselves with fig leaves, and they run away from it. But Satan had convinced them, it's okay. Everything's going to be all right. God's a good God. But God keeps his word. Even when he says, the day you eat thereof, that day you die. And because of that, the whole human race was plunged into death. And, and birth came through that. And, and every child that is born is, is of a few days and full of trouble, the scripture says. And life become an arduous thing. And I, I, just was a, I was just thinking of it this way. Forgive me for saying it this way. But how could God, because, you know, as, as, brother, as we realize, Brother Branham taught us, is that sin didn't start in the Garden of Eden. Sin started in heaven. All right? And Lucifer, and I'll quote it here out of the fourth seal. He says, the first thing in heaven was a battle. He says, Lucifer was kicked out of heaven and come to the earth and he polluted Eden. Then he's been polluting ever since. He says, the battle started in heaven. It'll be finished on the earth in the battle of Armageddon. That's what we realize taking place. Let's watch and see it unfold. And we're seeing it unfold right around us right now as we see these things coming to pass. But God kept his word to Eve. God kept his word to Adam. It was exactly the way God said it would be. It didn't matter how much the devil convinced Eve. It was okay. It was not okay. Can you say amen to that? And so because of that, then it plunged them into the curse of God and it caused them to run from the presence of the Lord. But I want to say it from another direction tonight. As Brother Branham said in proving his word, as much as God keeps the curses, he keeps the blessings. He says he keeps all of his promises of blessing as well as he does his cursings. Because they eat thereof, that day they died. He proves it to you that the day... 
that they do die the day they eat thereof. He also keeps his word, he said, about his blessings. He says every promise God keeps, you have to choose which one you want. His blessings by believing or his cursings by perverting it. If you pervert it and believe the perversion side of it, then you're cursed. If you believe it just the way he wrote it and hold on to it, then you're blessed. It's always contrary to science. Can you say amen to that? Always contrary to people's scientific way of showing things, for he keeps every word, both his blessings and his cursings. All right. There's a great battle that's been going on since then, but it wasn't just... It wasn't just uh, the battle there in the Garden of Eden. It was a battle that started in heaven. And Satan got kicked out, and he got kicked right down into the Garden of Eden. So let me just say it to you this way, and this is the way I want to leave it tonight, in this vein. Lucifer rebelled in heaven. The battle began. He deceived a third of the angels and was cast down from heaven, Brother Brown says in one place, right down into Eden. So there God already had prepared a place for Lucifer's case. Lucifer had an idea that he was going to have a better kingdom than Michael, and it was going to be based on beauty, not on faith. Based on wisdom, not on character. And so he had this idea in his mind, and the battle started in heaven, and he rebelled against God's word, and he was cast down in the Garden of Eden, and God said, as much as said to Lucifer, in six days the judgment will be made. Just six days. Why? Because a thousand years is as one day. And six days from there, God said, I'll meet you at the white throne judgment. You see, this case has only been going for six days. We view it as a long time, but God's been building up his evidence. God's been building up and proving his word. He's proved his word in every situation. He's proved his word in every life. See, you can't have a court case unless you have a law. And you can't have a court case without evidence. And so there was the word, the spoken word in the Garden of Eden, and Satan had another idea. And so the two opposing views comes and says, now there will be a judgment. You see, the white throne judgment, the Bible says the lake of fire was prepared for who? The devil and his angels. See, that's who it was prepared for. And all of those on the earth that believe the devil and his angels are also going to be there. But it's prepared for the devil and his angels. There's coming a judgment day. And the judgment is the original battle between Lucifer and Michael, between the word and, and reasoning, between beauty and faith. All of those things are on trial and has been now for 6,000 years. And I said all that to say this. The final piece of evidence is presented in court. And then the judgment is set. See, the judgment isn't the time for the evidence. The evidence is what is being placed now. At the white throne judgment, the books are open. The books of what? The evidence that has been displayed down through the ages. The lives of the sinners. 
There's a book of life, there's a land book of life, and I'm just going to have to paraphrase this all because I'm all out of time. And so as we come down to the white throne judgment, it's, it's not just about you and, and you and you and the sinner out there and somebody that lived right and did they do this or did they do that? There's different levels. Brother Branham says there's different classes. He called them in the church age book, four different places. He says the elect, sin cannot be imputed to them because they believe God's word. Amen. They're walking under the blood of Jesus Christ. They are the righteous. Amen. They've been imputed righteousness by their own faith. Amen. They've been quickened by the word of God. Amen. They've received the word for their day. They can never come into the judgment, but have passed from death unto life. And so there's that group of people that'll be there. That's the bride that will be ministering to him, the thousands upon thousands that Daniel speaks of. But there'll be tens of thousands times tens of thousands standing before the judgment throne, the white-wigged one, and the bride will be standing there to render judgment according to the evidence that has already been put in place. What's happening today is the final pieces of evidence are being put in place. Satan's Eden and all of its fruit is being manifested. That's, that's why we're seeing Satan's Eden today is because God, this is, this is the anointing of the last days. This is the end time anointing that has come to bring everything to its fruit time, the harvest time. Satan's kingdom, Satan's subjects are all coming to the maturity of who they are. And you're seeing it played out in the news all of the perversion, all of the corruption, all of the crime, all of the evil, all of the things. That is the fruit of what Satan sowed. That's the case. This is Satan's case. This is what Satan has brought. This is Satan proving his own ideas right now before us. But at the same time, there's another people. Hallelujah. There's another people that have believed their God. And Daniel spoke about them. He said, they will know their God and they will do exploits. Why will they? Because they believe his word. They are proving his word by their faith in the word. And God is establishing them and he's settling them. And there's nothing the devil can do about it because we are God's case against Lucifer. The devil doesn't believe the word, but the word says he's a healer. How many have evidence of that? Amen. The devil doesn't believe God's word, but God's word says he's a provider. How many have evidence of that? Oh, my evidence upon evidence. I knew, listen, I knew I'd always be poor in this life. I wasn't trying to seek money or anything, but I'll tell you what, I was so dirt poor. One time I was sitting in my office in my house in, in Grand Prairie. This would be about the late 90s, I suppose. And I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, I got a stack of bills here and I have nothing in the bank. Well, let's prove God's word. I just raised my hands. I said, Lord, I need some money. I don't know how I'm going to get it. I don't know where it's going to come from. The church has got no money. I got no money. And uh, this is, I, I, I just am asking you to do something. Within 20 minutes, I think it was, the phone rang. Is this Tim Dodd? Yeah, this is Tim Dodd. Yeah, we heard you do such and such a thing. Well, I actually don't do that anymore. Well, could you do it for us? 
It was just some consulting work that I used to do. We need you to do this, and it paid thousands upon thousands of dollars. 20 minutes, it's all took God. Just in a moment, God proves his word. He's a provider. Amen. He'll never forsake his children. Amen. He's a savior. How many know that? He's a savior. He's proven his word. How many know that he has met every need in your life? You've ever asked him. God has proven himself to you. This is God's case against Satan. Hallelujah. When we get to the white throne judgment and the devil will have all of his arguments and all of his lies and everything and and against the word of God and all the Lord Jesus has to say is says, Look around you, this is my evidence of my word. These ones here that I've redeemed by my blood, they are overcomers. Hallelujah. They are my victory. Amen. We are his victory over Satan, over all the fallen angels, over all the lies, over all the deceit. Don't worry about that. There's all kinds of lies out there. That's just the devil proving the fruit of his kingdom. That's the only case he has to bring. I got this whole world wrapped up in sexual desire. He's proven it. But how many have overcome that in their lives? Hallelujah. Why? Because God is proving his word. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Musicians better come. I'm out of time. Brother Bradham in proving his word. You know, I I was thinking to myself, you know, really it's just been a case through every generation, through every age. God's just laying down the case. All right, Lucifer, you think you got a better idea? Here's my idea. He just goes on proving it through the humble, through the meek, through the lowly. He just goes on proving it. He just keeps on establishing his word is the truth. He just keeps on bringing it into reality. And I was reading proving his word, and I got about halfway through it, and I thought, you know what, I'm going to go back, and I'm just going to list the cases, the examples that Brother Branham brings in proving his word. You can go read it for yourself, but... He starts at the Garden of Eden. Then he goes on through Noah and then Enoch and Elijah. Believe me, I could stop and preach on each one of these examples. He talks about Abraham and Lot. He talks about Isaac and Jacob and Moses and then Joshua and Caleb and Daniel and the Hebrew children down there in Babylon. He talks about Mary and Joseph. He talks about, of course, the Lord Jesus and the many testimonies out of his life. He talks about John the Baptist. He talks about the woman at the well. He talks about Jairus. He talks about Lazarus. And he comes down to the last days of his own ministry. What what does it all mean? God is proving his word. Brother Brown says, in that message, he says, notice it was by his believers that he proves his word by. He can only prove his word not by unbelievers. It's only by believers that he can prove his word. No matter how much the rest of them claim to believe, oh, I believe, brother. See, if you do, God will prove it so. Because we look and see the others, how can we say then, see, it's by true believers that he proves his word. Not by those who say they believe, but by those who really believe. He goes on to say he proves all of his words. All of his words, just think of it, all of his words. And you were his word, and he was the word. And you were part of his word. And that's the reason you were sent here 
to confirm your place in life. And then he says, I don't think you got that. But I say tonight, I hope you got that. You are God proving his word. When it comes to the white throne judgment, that's why you are the righteous judgment of God. Say, oh, Brother Tim, I'm full of mistakes. That's got nothing to do with it. He's overcoming every one of those things in your life. You don't know my background, Brother Tim. You don't know mine. You don't know where I came from. You don't know the type of family I come out of. I'll tell you what, I guarantee you it's worse than a lot, than probably 99% of you. But that has nothing to do with it. It's God proving his word overcomes all things. Hallelujah. It's just God proving his word. Oh, these are good notes here. But you know what? God has a purpose in this. And it's not just proving his word. Now let me just stop for a moment. I'm going to sing that hymn of the believer's amazing grace. So you can play that if you want. Even if you don't want, you can play it. It'll be just fine. I always end up back in the Smyrnian age, no matter, it seems like hardly whatever direction I come from. When I say the Smyrnian age, I'm talking about the chapter in the church age book where Brother Branham talks about God's love for you. He goes to Malachi and it says, the burden of the word of the Lord by the word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi, I have loved you, saith the Lord. He's trying to tell Israel, it's all about my love for you. I've chosen you. I've elected you. I'm fulfilling my word in you. And they say, how is it that you love us? And God just simply says, was not Esau Jacob's brother? But Jacob have I loved, and Esau have I hated. See, Esau, he thought it was optional. He thought God's word was optional. He thought the birthright was optional. He thought the blessing was optional. He lived, we could say, in a message home. He was raised by a prophet. Can you say amen? His daddy Isaac was a prophet. But yet in the midst of all that, he, he didn't take it serious enough. He got looking at the civilization around him, the Canaanite women. And he went out and he married some Canaanite women, grieved his dad to no end. Isaac was grieved at Esau's behavior because he didn't take the word of the Lord seriously. But Jacob took it very, very seriously. 
know, Jacob could say, if you really think about it, I may not be called because I'm not the firstborn. It really wasn't his place. It was Esau's place for the birthright and the blessing of the firstborn. And Jacob could have said, well, you know, I have no rights. I have nothing to say. It's mine. But Jacob wanted it more than anything. There was something in him that said, I want the truth. There was something in him that says, I want to live right. I want to have God in my life. I want the blessing. I want the birthright. And Brother Bram goes on, he says, talks about Israel. He said they didn't understand that. They thought that love meant no suffering. They thought that love meant a baby with parental care. I've talked about this a lot lately. I don't know why. Not just in services, but individually. They thought that love meant a baby with parental care. A lot of times we think that that's what life is about. No suffering. My father will just watch over me and nothing bad can happen to me. That's not what it's about. He, Brother Adam goes on. He says, God said his love was elective love. The proof of his love is election. That no matter what happened, his love was proven by the fact that they were chosen unto salvation. And then he quotes the scripture, because God has chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the spirit and belief of the truth. He may commit you to death as he did Paul. He may commit you to suffering as he did Job. That is his prerogative. His prerogative is to put you in situations. Your prerogative is to choose whom you will serve. Are you with me? That's free moral agency. God in his sovereignty can bring anything upon you. But you in your free moral agency can choose to serve or not to serve God. You have a choice. Let me just read a little bit further. He says, he may commit you to death as he did Paul. He may commit you to suffering as he did Job. That is his prerogative. And I'll say tonight, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He is sovereign, but it is all with a purpose. If he did not have a purpose, then he would be the author of frustration and not of peace. His purpose, is the last sentence here, his purpose is that after we have suffered a while, we would be made perfect, be established, strengthened, and settled. As far as God is concerned, in your life, judgment is settled. He already judged you in Jesus Christ. He already paid for your sins through the blood of Calvary. We stand spotless in His sight because He has judged us with Jesus Christ. We have accepted the atonement. And if you haven't tonight, if you're here or if you're listening and you haven't accepted the atonement of what Jesus Christ has done for you, you need to go to God right now and say, God, I accept what you did for me. I want my judgment to be settled here. I don't want it to be settled in a thousand years at the white throne judgment because I want my actions to say I'm in Jesus Christ. Let's stand together. Let's bow our heads together. Maybe there's somebody tonight that with their head bowed, 
and with their eyes closed just want to raise their hand to Almighty God and say, God, there's coming a judgment day, but I want to be settled now. I, I repent of my sins and I accept what Jesus Christ did for me. I don't want to leave this meeting tonight not having accepted the salvation of the Lord. Heavenly Father, you see every hand that was raised. Lord, you know every individual heart. You know this service is in your hands and the word that is spoken has gone forth. It may not have been the most eloquent service nor the deepest, but Lord, I believe it was what you had on your heart tonight. And Father, I pray that you'd override any of my weaknesses, override any of my insufficiencies in delivering the message tonight. And Lord, may the power of the Holy Ghost move through the word that was spoken and make it alive in the individuals that it was intended for. May every son and daughter of God know their place that you are proving your word in them. And every time they come up against an obstacle, any time the, the enemy comes against them, may it come back to their mind, God is proving his word in me. He's fulfilling his promises in me. He's giving me the blessing because he's proving that the word is greater than Satan's ideas. And Lord, if there's anybody here tonight that has accepted you for the first time, I pray, Lord, that you'll go to them in the power of your resurrection even now. And may your quickening power be upon them. May it drive every doubt of the enemy from them. May it give them victory in their lives. And may it cause them, Lord, to enter into the word in a real and personal way. And give them, Lord, a relationship personally with you, O oh God. We give each one into your hands. It's because of your amazing grace that we are here tonight able to hear these words. And Lord, I pray as I commit them to you that your will would be done in every part as we commit it to you in Jesus Christ's name. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch
it'll be 10,000 years. And we'll think, we haven't, there's been no time gone by. There's no beginning, there's no ending. It's eternity. Everything that we've been molded through, everything that our lives have gone through, don't lose sight of that, saints. It's not all about living here. It's about overcoming here. The evidence is being established here. But there's a great reward for the believers over there. And when we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we'll have no less days. I'm past 60 years old. I'm already starting to think about how many days do I have left? And there, there's some of you, to coin a phrase that somebody told me, that are closer to the front of the line than I am. Amen. Brother Joe's laughing. He knows what I mean. There's not a lot of days left here. Hallelujah. But when we get there, what a jubilee. What a marvelous jubilee. Amen, Brother Allen. That's going to be a joyous, rejoicing time. You think we embrace one another and shake one another's hands and, and love one another here? Just wait till we get over there. Blessing upon blessing, bliss upon bliss. Sublime, Brother Branham says, doesn't cover it. It's perfect love. It's, it's beyond any human ability to describe it. It's the greatest thing that you can ever imagine, and it's better than that. When we been there 10,000 years bright shining as the sun
Sure, I must fight if I would reign. How many know this song? Increase my courage, Lord. Just a few of you. Good, because I can't remember how the verses go. I almost feel like, do you know how the verses go? You don't know the verses. You know the verses. I know it is. <laughs> All right. Everybody, everybody's giving me like, Brother Tim, this is not the way it goes. <laughs> sure, I must fight if I must raise. Increase my envisioning what your crown's going to look like. It'll be quite a day on that day. I'm sure it'll be more than we expect it to be. Are you looking forward to getting there? Thousands upon thousands ministered to him, his bride. The cases are all settled. Don't get to the white throne judgment without settling your case here. You don't want to have an appeal there. You want to settle it here. Amen. Aren't you glad you've settled your account? Long ago we settled our account. Amen. God bless you. Shake hands with your fellow overcomers as the service is dismissed in Jesus' name.